You're listening to Tech Recruit, a podcast that educates talent acquisition and recruitment professionals on innovation to attract talent across all industries. We're glad you're here. Welcome to the Tech Recruit Podcast. Today on our show, we have a very special guest. Ms. Amy Miller is with us, and she is the Senior Technical Recruiter for Google. Welcome, Amy. Thanks for having me, Stacey. I'm so excited to talk with you. I have been following you for some time. Um, You've done a lot of different things. You've been on a lot of different podcasts, and uh, you have a fantastic reputation as somebody who is very human when it comes to recruiting, not just, you know, obviously having a fantastic track record, but bringing the actual touch of being human and understanding what people are looking for. Um, So we will talk a little bit about that today. I wanted to ask you first and foremost, how did you begin your career into recruiting? (laughs) It's a total accident, right? Like everyone says that, that nobody does this on purpose. There's no degree you can go get that prepares you for this. Um, I, I am no different. I was literally working, you know, a series of kind of weird clerical jobs in my early 20s. And I was getting out of a really difficult uh, relationship and had these two little babies. And part of my job was actually working with the folks we were running employment ads for. This is like back when we did newspapers and paper applications and stuff. And I was working at corporate for a temp agency. No interest whatsoever in doing any of that recruiting stuff because those people were so miserable. But I'm on the phone with my rep from the employment guide Good, showing how old I am. And he says, you would be a great recruiter. And I said, what do recruiters do? (laughs) Long story short, he introduces me to his girlfriend who managed like a staffing agency who needed a recruiter in Seattle. So before I figured out what the job really was, I was accepting it and doing it and never looked back. Wow. Okay. So, and then now you're, uh, you've worked at Microsoft. You are now at Google. So have, you've had some fantastic experiences there, I'm sure. What are some of your areas of focus? Yeah, I mean, it's been a wild ride. And I, I, every day I'm like, how did I even get here? (laughs) How did I get picked? Um, But no, I, I, you know, over the last several years, probably 10 years, I've been really focused in tech recruiting, which is, you know, I don't want to say it's a whole different beast because honestly, recruiting is recruiting is recruiting. People have emotional triggers, reasons to do whatever it is that they're doing. Um, just because someone happens to write code versus balancing books versus selling a product. I mean, the emotional kind of part of recruiting still exists, but tech is one of the areas that is so in demand and growing so rapidly that it, it does create some additional challenges. So my focus, I do have a really strong, robust sourcing team that, that kind of helps me build my pipeline, but my focus is really around closing and client management. So I'm the point of contact for my hiring managers, my hiring teams, my HR partners, and really just trying to figure out what business problem are we trying to solve? What kind of talent do we need to solve it? And then convincing said talent to come solve these problems with us. And that's what you're currently doing with Google. Yeah. yeah. Uh, was it different when you were at Microsoft? No, it was pretty similar, actually. There were some differences just in the, the levels of talent and, and the kind of folks that I was talking to, but there, there are surprisingly a lot of similarities to the work that both companies do and, and how I worked with them. Um, but I think with Google, it, it was more about working with kind of a very specialized group in the, in the leadership space, which is what was the appeal. So you, you mentioned about uh, coding. Do you code? Do you know oh, programming gosh. languages? <laughs> nope. Are you a recruiter who codes? No, I'm a recruiter who says, hey, guys, I figured out that JavaScript and Java aren't the same. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I always tell my, this is what's so funny to me. And, and again, I have so much respect for the, for the sorcerers and recruiters who can do this, who, who have that, that brain and they're wired in a way that that makes sense. That is not me. If I ever sit in tech reviews or, and I've sat in on like, um, when I was recruiting PhDs back at Microsoft, I would sit in, in their, um, they would do like a, 
presentation. You know, like, here's what I did my thesis on and talk about neural networks and, and, and my eyes would just start glazing over. And, you know, it's fascinating, but I don't understand it in the slightest. So I tell candidates that too. Like, I'm not necessarily going to talk to you about tech stuff. I'm going to ask you some questions about what you know, and I'm kind of looking for signals that you know what you're talking about. But that, that's not my job to vet that. The interview process will vet that. My job is to make sure that I'm thinking of the non-tech stuff behind the scenes. What do you want in your career? What's important to you? Where do you want to work? What do you want to work on? You know, those kinds of things. So no, I, I am the least technical tech recruiter on the planet, probably. That is such an important distinction, I think, and, and an important message or expectation that you give your candidate when you're mm -hmm. first interviewing them, that you let them know that I'm not a technical person, what I'm looking for is this, because oftentimes, especially I feel in tech recruiting, mm -hmm. there tends to be that, oh, you're not technical, and, and I think to disarm that immediately is to just come out and, and do you start most of your conversations or your um, your interviews like that? Absolutely, 100%. And the reality is most of them know that. Like they're not surprised to hear this. And I've had many, many candidates over the years say, thank you for not pretending. <laughs> thank you for not asking questions that someone gave you the answer to and seeing if I'm repeating what's in a textbook. <laughs> so they actually appreciate the transparency and me positioning myself as I'm an expert in certain aspects of the recruiting process. I'm an expert in getting you the best offer. I'm an expert in getting you in front of the right people who are going to make the hiring decision. I'm not the expert in C++ and I don't want to be. That, that does not excite me in any way, shape, or form. I don't want any part of it, but I would love to help figure out how you as the expert and you as the client can come together. That, that's my job. Interesting. So um, on that same same note, when you're, you're conducting your interviews, you mentioned early when we were speaking that you conduct a lot of video interviews. Do you think yes. that's important to the assessment? So, you know, I don't know that it makes a big difference assessment wise, but it goes a long way to developing the bonds. You know, it's so hard to say no to me if you've seen my face. <laughs> I we're friends now. <laughs> you know, we, we've spent time in each other's world. And, and so I, I definitely have noticed that the rest of the process is easier if I've been able to make a video connection up front. Because my candidates are all mostly in the Bay Area or, or other parts of the country. Um, I rarely get to see them in person because I'm up in Seattle. But having that video connection and really being able to put a face with the name, I think it, it creates just it, it 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 helps build the trust like i've seen you i i've actually like spoken to you as close as we can face to face and that just creates a, a connection that you don't get over the phone necessarily at what point do you set up the video call is it in the beginning when you first uh, want us when you first want to speak with them or is it after you've kind of conducted a pre preliminary screening so in my current role, um, most of the candidates that I get are coming from our sourcing pipeline. So there's typically already been like a phone call that's happened. There's possibly been a connection even with the hiring team. And I'm maybe coming in kind of as we're preparing for an on-site interview. But I always give my candidates the choice at, at any touch point. It, even if it's cold, we've never spoken before, we've exchanged a couple of emails. Hey, would you like to set up a Google video call? I'm happy to jump on a video with you and we can be face to face. About half of the candidates will take it. You know, sometimes they can't. They're, you know, taking a call from work or whatever. They can't, they can't get on video. Um, but for the ones that, that do opt into it, again, I can show you, like, anecdotal data that, wow, that was a stronger relationship. That was a stronger relationship. That was a stronger relationship. And I think it's because of that human connection. I think that is a great um, process to take into your your um, project management of your recruitment and uh, hiring. Yeah. Um, so here's a question kind of uh, segueing into that. Uh, how, do you, how do you set up your daily schedule? What does that look like for you? <laughs> it's chaos. <laughs> no, it's, it's messy. And I, I, think, I think this is probably for, for true, I don't want to say true recruiters, but for recruiters like me, you know, kind of the, the, the old school recruiters who still use a whiteboard and, you know, color-coded pens and stuff. Um, I have one behind me right here. <laughs> right? I, I, couldn't, I couldn't live without it. Um, I, 
and I think part of it too is, is I'm still, I still have a little bit of that agency girl in me. Like what's closest to the money? Yeah. <laughs> what am I closest to closing? Who has an offer I need to finalize? So I kind of start from closest to the money, even though I'm not on commission anymore. I still feel like it sometimes. Um, and then just kind of working my way down and also calendar management. I have to block time on my calendar to do certain things. Uh, one of the things that it, that's been, you know, just even in the last few weeks, like kind of struggling with and trying to keep up is my candidate pipeline has exploded. Like it's a great problem to have, you know, I mean, we're so busy and there's so many wrecks to fill, but I have, you know, 50 people that I'm juggling on any given day. And I really had to like block my calendar for ATS updates, return phone calls, <laughs> You know, things like that. So making sure that I'm really controlling my day and not letting my day control me, that that's the number one thing. Um, yeah, creating those blocks in your day. Otherwise, just before you know it, it's the end of the day and you've gotten like a lot done, but not the key things that you really needed to block out. So that's that's, um, that's always a big challenge. So good for you for doing that. Hey, Tech Recruit fans, just wanted to take a quick moment to remind you to follow us on Twitter at TechRecruit underscore. You can also find our page on Facebook at Tech Recruit and our group, the Tech Recruit group, where all of our speakers and attendees are hanging out and talking about all the topics and things that they learned at the Tech Recruit Conference. And we'll look forward to seeing you at LAX Tech Recruit July 18th in Playa Vista, Silicon Beach, and Midwest Tech Recruit in Chicago September 18th. See you there. And now back to the show. So um, I wanted to, I think this is such an interesting story how you got recruited from Microsoft. You were there for five years. Yeah. And now at Google and you've been there what five months? Oh gosh, I think I think a little over six. I, I okay. think March twentieth will be seven months if I remember correctly. I don't know, it feels like oh, 10 I, years old. It's eight months. I have it written down. Yeah. Is it eight? Yeah, I mean my goodness. I mean it feels like a hundred. I don't I don't know. Um yeah, that was so interesting. And I have to tell you, Stacey, I have a little bit of a reaction every time people talk about why people leave jobs. And it's oh well they had a bad boss or oh well this or that. And I actually get angry because I feel like I need to de defend my Microsoft boss. <laughs> like she's amazing. I would follow her anywhere, but I also love my new Google boss. <laughs> Which is why I was thinking there must have been, what did they offer? Did they yeah. must have nurtured you for a while? I feel like it's like the epitome of the nurturing of the great candidate. You know, it's so interesting. I, um, and I, and I've shared this publicly, like I'm not, I'm not too worried, hopefully that I don't get a troll for this. Um, but no, you know, for me, I was at Microsoft for five and a half years and I was coming up on, you know, it was close to getting promoted and, and there were some, some good things happening. And as I mentioned, love my boss. Like she's still someone I consider a good friend. Like I burst into ugly face, crying tears when I resigned, like it was really painful. But what happened? I, you know, I've been here five years now at Microsoft and I've done some cool stuff, but I'm, I'm kind of in a place where I'm wondering like, where do I really go from here? You know, and the way that recruiting is set up, they're not good or bad or indifferent, just the way it is. There's not necessarily a ton of senior opportunities. You know, there's management and there's different things that you could do. But I, I was like, I, don't, I mean, I've been doing this 20 years, you know, like at some point, am I doing my best work? Am I still learning? Am I still growing? Or am I just kind of going through these very simple motions that I've been doing for years and years and years? So um, just in the course of that, having internal discussions, what can I do next? What business groups can I take on? Things like that. And all my friends started leaving. <laughs> so it was really interesting. A bunch of people that I worked with at Microsoft started going over to Google. And I thought, okay, you know, I mean, I had my own preconceived notions, what it was like to recruit for a big company. And I, you know, interviewed at Amazon before and had other conversations with other companies, but never Google. And I thought, okay, that's interesting because if people that I know and like and respect are going there, some of the things I think I know must be wrong. And so I 
just kind of, you know, hey, let me know how, how it's going. Let me know what you think. You know, just kind of having those conversations. And I can't tell you, Stacey, because I just honestly don't remember what happened, but I just had one of those days where I'm like, mentally flipping my desk and you know I'm out of here and I hate it and I die and I want to do something different I hate this this place this job this whatever and I got home and wouldn't you know it that's the day a google sourcer reached out to me (laughs) and I was like the universe is speaking to me I need to see what's going on here so it was really just a combination of several things that people I liked and respected were going I was questioning my own career path. What's next for me? And frankly, I just had a bad day. It was no one's fault. No one did anything wrong. It was just a bad day. And so when I saw that email, I'm like, eh, I'll respond. You know, let's see what happens. I normally ignore those, but I'll respond. And that just kicked off a series of conversations that even to the, to the last minute, I was like, what do I do? I don't, you know, it's like choosing, but I don't know. This must be how like the bachelorette feels, you know, like I have these two great boyfriends. Which one should I go out with? You know, I don't know. (laughs) Totally. It was painful. So you chose Google. I did. Yeah, I did. What was the interview process long? What was, what was that like? Can you share what? Yeah. You know, it's, I sometimes feel guilty about this because it was surprisingly fast for me, or maybe it just felt fast because I was so conflicted. Um, good friend of mine took six months. I mean, just, you know, the back and forth and, and the things that she was looking for. And, the, you know, I mean, that her process was pretty lengthy and my process was maybe two months. Um, and part of that was me kind of going, Oh, I'm not ready. (laughs) ready." So super quick. I mean, I met kind of the standard number of people and, and I was invited to the local office and, you know, it was, uh, it, it was easy. They made it easy. And I remember at every touch point thinking, when am I going to see the bad stuff I keep hearing? When, when am I going to experience some of the kind of the conventional wisdom around this process? And I just never did. And I think that that was a big part of it. And frankly, I had a recruiter that stayed really close, you know? So again, just forming those bonds with the candidates and, and being available and answering questions and, um, she was amazing. And I found, I didn't even find out till later, but she's apparently like really new to recruiting. <laughs> so but she did amazing. So it was just having those, um, just having that sounding board and someone that was willing to kind of listen to my thought process and what I was struggling with and what questions I had. I mean, that is really what sealed the deal. Like if that's the culture and we can be so open and we can be so transparent, parent, like that's where I want to be. It's interesting. You kind of mention um, a few things uh, Mm -hmm. in regards to your own recruitment into a new role. And one of them, the main thing being the timing, the timing was just right. That's it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I would, I would probably ask, do you feel that the position you were offered was far superior to the one that you that you currently had. Boy, it depends on the day, Stacey. I gotta tell you, there's some days I'm like, what am I doing here? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I think in all seriousness, and this is full transparency, what sealed the deal for me was I was approached by, you know, Google just kind of generally. And, and that's part of how Google hires. Like we hire you for the company and there's sometimes team matching that happens on the backside and, and things like that. And I was very clear. I, I told my recruiter, I'm like, here's what it would take to pull me out. Like, I love my job. I love my boss. I love what I'm doing. This, this is my wish list. If you guys can accommodate this ridiculous diva wish list, we should talk. And they're like, yeah, sure, we can do that. And, you know, so we had those conversations. And so I... Uh, some folks that I knew had gone to the specific team, kind of a newly created team, just still coming together. It's only been around for a couple of years now, focused on leadership recruiting for engineers. And I was like, that's cool. Like that's almost kind of, um, it's, it's kind of specialized, you know, like you're working with this very narrow population and it's a very critical population. You know, we need, everybody needs good engineers, everybody. 
but we sometimes forget like there's a leadership element there and we need people who are business savvy as well as technical as well as da, 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 da. and so being able to kind of live in that world for a little bit i was like oh that that would be really cool it's, it's just a very different you know I, I was all up and down the leveling in previous roles so it was kind of nice to be able to focus on that and i gotta tell you one thing that almost killed it for me though i was very clear like this is the job i want this is the manager i want to report to like i am very clear and when I made it through the hiring process and I was told that I had a green light to move forward, the recruiter slipped and she said, so now we, we figure out a team match. And I said, absolutely not. <laughs> I said, I already told you, I want this team. I want to do this work. You know, I, the diva popped up again. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, you know, they, they wanted me to, so it worked out, but yeah, it was, yeah. it was really interesting. So I, I don't know that I would say one is significantly better than the other, but it was so different and it was an opportunity to really work a muscle that I hadn't worked that much in the past. That's why I wanted to do it. Mm -hmm. Was there things on your diva list that you didn't have at Microsoft that you got at Google? Oh my gosh. Um, Without asking too much about your diva list. Yeah, I know. I, <laughs> I mean, the equity was pretty nice. So. <laughs> at Microsoft or at Google? <laughs> okay. um, no, I, I think I think really what it was, it was the opportunity to take on a very senior role um, and working with a, a larger client base. So, so like, for example, at Microsoft, I would own a specific group. And yeah. that could be a very large group, maybe 2,000, 3,000, 5,000 people. But I would own kind of this one population and I would have all the recruiting up and down that, you know, the junior level, the yeah. senior level and everything in between. So coming to Google, I was able to really focus on, um, it was instead of up and down, it was more side to side. Like I have all, yeah. all the engineering managers for a particular group. So in my case, it's YouTube, which is phenomenal. And I love them, but I'm, I'm just getting to work with all of these different products and, and services and, and, you know, you think, Oh yeah, YouTube, that video streaming plays. Oh, it's so much more. <laughs> and so the opportunity to dig into that, but yet still operate at that senior level is, is just fascinating. And I think I'm learning so much that I, had I not made the change, probably still would have been fine. Still a good recruiter, you know, doing the Microsoft thing. But I think there's definitely things I've learned that, that have are going to serve me really well in my next role, wherever that is. Definitely having that base of the technology and learning how to do all the recruitment in like the individual contributor tech side and yeah. then move up into finding leaders who are managing those technologies. Um, so some of the qualities that you're looking for are like the leadership and, and how do you assess for that? Yeah, it's, it's tricky, right? Because there's also the cultural aspect that comes with that. So when we're talking to leaders from certain large companies that have certain reputations, we have to do a little myth busting sometimes, you know, they'll be like, Oh, I know that company. And yeah, this is how they do things. I'm like, yeah, but you don't know this person. <laughs> so a lot of times it, it's not only kind of looking for those key indicators, like you've led a team of a certain size and you've shipped certain products or you've built certain features or whatever. Um, but it's also really digging into the individual and not kind of falling for, oh, well, they came from ABC company, so I know how they operate. Not necessarily. So we ask a lot of questions just around, you know, how would you solve certain problems or tell me about a time when, you know, things like that. We want to really understand um, as much as folks can share, obviously, without busting any non-competes. Um, but tell us, like, how did you manage a poor performer? You know, what did that look like? And so you learn a lot about someone's leadership style because on the one end, and this could be for recruiters, this could be for anyone. Well, I had a poor performer and they sucked and they didn't listen to me and they didn't do what they were supposed to do and I had to let them go. On the other hand, you have, I had a poor performer. I realized that I wasn't giving them the support they needed. I didn't provide the training that would have made them better, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I'm speaking very generally, but you definitely can pick up what someone's leadership style is and how they answer those questions and, and the stories that they tell. Uh, I've seen, and I don't know if this is an evolution um, or a new way of being a leader. I mean, or perhaps the gone are the leaders that are, you got to make this quota. You got to get this done. Why isn't this done? And 
you know, um, versus being like, how can I help you succeed? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think, and I, again, I would say this goes for any industry. Leaders should always publicly stand behind their people. If you're in a room and someone's complaining about your person or there's some feedback that maybe isn't great or whatever, a leader should always publicly thank you. I will, you know, address that, whatever. And you should always privately go back to your person and say, okay, how do we fix this? Right? There should never be public bashing of any sort ever. So what are some of the challenges that you have in closing leadership level candidates? <sighs> Competing offers. There is this, and I faced it at Microsoft as well, and, and it's, it's ringing true at Google too. There is this conventional wisdom that says, oh, recruiting for big tech companies easy. Everybody wants to work there. I mean, not necessarily the right people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like my brother wants to work at Google, I'm sure, but he's not a coder. He doesn't have any, you know, it's not that he's not good at what he does, which is something totally different, but it's, you know, that's, that's the challenge is, um, not just finding the right people, but actually getting them to talk to us because frankly, they're talking to any number of, of big companies and small companies and startups and everything else. So just getting their attention, like getting them to think about a large company that they feel like they already know. And as a candidate, I had this as well. Oh, I know what it's like over there. Never been there. Don't know anybody there, but I know what it's like. I didn't know anything. <laughs> so being able to kind of bust some myths up front, getting them engaged, getting them talking to you. And then the closing, like, how do we compete? Cause it's not always going to be money. And I tell this to candidates all the time. Like, I promise you, if you wait long enough and have enough conversations, you will find someone that will pay you more. I guarantee it. If that's your end game, this is probably not the place for you. Not that we don't pay well. I mean, Microsoft paid well too. Like, but it, if you're chasing the dollar, I promise you, go tell that person you're talking to Google. They're going to increase your offer like that. I guarantee it. If that's what you want to do, go for it. I'll be here when you get back and I have the best job because my team's awesome, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. So, um, so that's tricky. We, we have to really get away from the mindset that the biggest offer wins because it shouldn't, it shouldn't. I mean, if you're making half a million dollars or better, like at what point is it about the work and is it about, you know, the cool stuff you get to do or, or, you know, how you feel about the company or the people. Like those are the things we have to kind of continually go back to. So what are some of the motivators for the leaders that you hire? Um, you, you said that if they're looking for compensation and, and chasing that, then they'll probably not be a fit. What are some of the motivators that you look for? Yeah, so definitely I, I love people, especially when I think about it in terms of YouTube, although I think this would also be accurate for even with Microsoft people who care about consumers, people who care about someone's going to use this product that I'm building. Someone's going to, their life is somehow going to be better or more fun or, or whatever the case may be because of something that I created. So whether that's, you know, YouTube, speaking of like how we bring video to the living room through our apps, or if it's Microsoft, you know, creating, um, you know, artificial intelligence, the, 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 you know, speech recognition stuff. I mean, I worked with a team that did that at Microsoft. So when we're able to think about how do you want your work to impact, that's the stuff when people get jazzed about that, then I'm like, yeah, now we got something. Now we can drill into which specific roles, which specific teams, things like that. And it's not always consumer. Sometimes it's enterprise. Sometimes it's, you know, for like PhDs and, and scientist types, you know, they want to know, can I keep doing research? Can I keep publishing papers? You know, they're looking for things that you know, everyone wants their work yeah. to have value and to have meaning. So figuring out what that looks like for an individual person and then tying that back to the role and the business, that's the magic. So that's a really interesting point. I think you do a lot of work outside of Google. You have your own blog. You want to tell us about that real quick? 
Yes. Um, so recruiting in yoga pants.com <laughs> was born out of a series of arguments over the years on whether or not people should wear yoga pants to work. Um, I say I'm more effective when I'm comfortable. So <laughs> I'm a fan. Um, but yeah, I basically, I just created this, this site as just a place to kind of just live blog my life. I mean, I, you know, you can see pictures of my puppies there. You can see like recruiting advice. <laughs> you know, there's, there's all kinds of, of uh, just ramblings of a crazy lady in yoga pants. Um, but related to recruiting, like I just, I love this work. I've been doing this for 20 years and I, I just, I constantly think, how can we, how can we make this better? How can we elevate the profession? How can we really be, you know, the best, we have so much power and I, I don't think we even realize it sometimes, you know, just, I mean, the work that we do, we, we build Google, we build Microsoft, we, the people that are here doing all of this amazing stuff and building these great products and services and features are here because we help them get there and, and we can't just make it a transactional, like, Oh, I found this candidate and check a box and send an offer letter. Like there's so much more to it and we got to get it right. So, yeah. So I talk about all that stuff and offer help and advice and sometimes people take it and sometimes they don't, but that's fine. <laughs> no, I think it's great. It's, it kind of is a testimony to the company that you're working for, allowing you to continue to do things that you feel provides value. And you mentioned some of the leaders that you have um, having their own, um, whether they're PhDs and they have articles or things that they write that add value to educate and be that personal brand that they're allowed to have the freedom to do that. Is yeah. that a policy that uh, Google has or? Yeah. So, you know, that's super interesting. I don't recruit scientists anymore. So that was a Microsoft thing. I don't know how they would do it here, but I, I will tell you one interesting thing. Um, when I was with Microsoft, I, I was, I didn't have my personal blog then, but I was blogging on other sites and speaking at conferences and doing all that kind of stuff. And I never got the sense that that mattered. Um, it was just something I just kind of did on my own. I, I didn't expect like a bunch of accolades or anything, you know, it's just, I just do it. Um, but I, I never really was able to kind of get my, my immediate boss being an exception, but you know, like kind of the broader leadership was kind of like, oh yeah, she does this fun stuff on the side, good for her. And it wasn't really talked about. Um, talking about it at Google, even during my, interviewing process. They're like, this is so cool. You do that. Can you do more of that, please? And it's just, it's really been embraced by my current leadership, which is probably Stacy, the answer to one of your earlier questions. What did I get on my wish list that I didn't have at Microsoft? That's probably it. Having leaders who are like, this is cool that you do that. Yeah. You use some bad words sometimes. And please say that you're speaking for yourself and not for Google. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's like embrace that I have this, this mouth and I'm out here running it. <laughs> That, that is, um, that is really interesting. So that's, that's great. And you're feeling like you have that value that you're adding yeah. and you can, and you can, it trickles down to the candidates that you are, um, uh, hiring yeah. so, or, or recruiting for. So yeah. I wanted to talk a little bit about, well, let me ask you a question. Yes. Tell me what, <laughs> tell me a success story. Um, I kind of, I want to hear, I know it's only been eight months, but has there been a difficult executive? Cause this is a whole different level recruiting for executives. And you talk about being divas, they have their wish lists and things that they demand. Maybe what are, what is one of this, what are one of the hires that you recall that was maybe the more difficult one that either fell through or one that went through. Yeah. Wow. Ooh, there, there's been some challenging ones. Um, actually there was, I, I, I would, I think my last Microsoft hire probably is a good example of this. Um, I was, well into discussions with Google, you know, starting the interview process, thinking about, am I going to do this? You know, those kinds of things. And I was working with a candidate from, I want to say like IBM or Oracle, one of those companies and had an offer from Google. So here I am like still recruiting for Microsoft, still trying to do my job and be a good, you know, employee talking to Google myself <laughs> as a candidate 
And then in the middle, I have this candidate who knows none of this, but has an offer from Google, but is also considering Microsoft. And ridiculous wish list, you know, scientist type person wanted to, you know, write his papers, wanted to do all these kinds of things. Um, have his own keyboard that was ergonomic. Like, can I have a MacBook? I need a MacBook. And can I have, you know, can I work at home four days a week? And you know, so, oh my gosh. So had, had some pretty significant ask and then we get to comp and I will be honest with you. Google kicked my behind. Like they were offering a lot more than I, than I could just what, what we could realistically offer this person. And so here I am having my own candidate experience going, Oh my gosh, this is super awkward. I don't know how to, <laughs> I don't know how to address this, but I try to just do the right thing, right? Like, okay, take Google out of the personal equation. What would I do? And so I had kind of the same conversation where I was like, listen, you're always going to find someone to pay you more. Like I, I can't control that. And, and Google's an amazing place. And I'm not saying you shouldn't take it if that's what's right for you. But I want you to think about the work that you're going to be doing and da, 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 da. And you know, so we kind of have all those things, even though our comp overall was significantly less than Google's, he accepted the Microsoft offer. So now I'm entering into my own negotiations as a candidate with Google just feeling super weird. Like, I think I just stole someone from my future employer. This feels strange. I didn't know what to think of that. Um, anyway, long story short, you know, he ended up joining Microsoft. I ended up joining Google and he emailed me and he's like, Oh, this is an interesting turn of events. <laughs> so but it was just so interesting because we, we had to really keep going back to what's important to you. What's really at the heart, the work that you do, you've, you've spent 12 years in college. What are you doing with your life? And is it about the money? Mm -hmm. uh, so just constantly having to reassure him about the work he could do, getting the teams involved, getting his future manager involved, taking him to lunch, you know, all those kinds of things, like the emotional part, we cannot discount that, how critical it is. I want to ask about the, one of the first questions you asked when you get yeah. on the phone with a candidate. And then how you bring up the, the subject of salary. Yeah, definitely. I'm a huge fan of talking money early, often, and specifically. Those are my rules. Early, often, specifically. Um, that said, people freak out when you ask them how much they make. Or it, we can't say that anymore. But, <laughs> you know, what do you want to Yeah, make? so what do we do now? Yeah, so what I do in the first conversation, I say compensation is going to be very important. This is something we want to take seriously. This is something we want to talk about soon. If you already know, like you decided in your mind, I know my expectations are X. Feel free to share that with me at whatever point you're comfortable because that's going to be important and we're going to have to talk about it. I understand that may not be today, but I do want you to think about it. And then I'll talk about our philosophy. You know, we're big on equity, like every other tech company, you know, base is going to be what it is. Equity is probably where we have room to play you know, there's bonus elements, things like that. Like I will be as transparent with you as I possibly can, but the more we talk about it and the further we get through the process, the deeper we're going to need to go just to make sure that I'm representing you in those, in those negotiations. Um, I also will offer, like, if you're not comfortable leading, I know a lot of really bad career advice <laughs> that says who gives the first number loses. I don't believe that. So here, here's the first number. And I, I'll just go. I, I mean, if I have an idea and I have like a range in mind, I'll just go. I'll be like, you may laugh at this number and that's okay, but we have to start the conversation somewhere. And they're all like, oh, well, gee, in that case, here's what I make and here's what I W2'd last year and here's what I'm getting offered from this other company. And then they didn't start telling you everything. <laughs> you know, I'm like, all right, good. I can work with that. So, you know, so it's- Do you just, start with the low number? Do you start with a range? So- I, I will generally start with like, as a minimum, we're looking at X, like kind of bare minimum, assuming, you know, this, like, this is probably not the best we can do, but just to, just to start us off, like, here's probably like the minimum that I would want to offer you. And a lot of times they're like, Oh, that's grossly low. <laughs> that's okay. That's why we're talking about it. You know? So we have to get past the fear of, scaring people off or insulting them. I mean, people are going to react however they want to react. It doesn't change the details. 
And if you they know, react poorly, do you say, what, there's, there's room for negotiation yeah. here, that's the low end, totally. to kind of keep them engaged? Yeah, I'll say, okay, so you didn't love that, tell me more. Tell me what doesn't feel good about that. You know, and that's usually those are, well, at this place I got, and I'm looking at, okay, cool, how did you get to that number? Like, I wanna understand, because I'm the one that's gonna go push comp, or the business, or whoever I'm dealing with, to make that happen. So give me some ammo. Because me and you, kid, we're in this together. I want to make it right for you. I want to find the magic number everybody feels good about. So give me some ammo. How did we get there? If you're pulling numbers out of your rear, eh, I'm probably not going to get there. But if you have like competing offers or, or there's some detail that justifies where we're getting this, cool. I can do something with that. That's a partnership. So really under listening to their motivations. Yeah. Um, talking about salary in the beginning to kind of yeah. just get it out there. Yeah. And, um, and then busting the myths yeah. about what they think they know about the company. And what does that make you like reviews on Glassdoor and things like totally. that? Yeah. I mean, oh, I got friends that work there and they said these things. Like, okay. I mean, you know, we have a hundred thousand people that work here. I'm sure your friend experienced that. The other 99,000 probably didn't, but you know, I mean, it's, and there are certain things you just need to vet for yourself. And so whether that's getting involved in the interview process, whether that's having follow-up chats and lunches and things with hiring teams, like certain things you, you just have to learn for yourself. And I did that as a candidate. I thought, okay, what I thought I knew, maybe I don't know. So let me dig a little more. And so just having those discussions uh, was so helpful. And there's still, I mean, I've been here seven months. I, like, I'm still learning and still stumbling and falling down all the time, but it's definitely been a positive experience. And I'm glad that I didn't listen to the naysayers. Yeah. So speaking, I want to, I want to talk a little bit about that structure. Yeah. The partnership of the recruiter and the sourcer. So mm -hmm. I had an interesting conversation recently, um, with a friend of mine in the industry who, um, mm -hmm who mentioned that he was, he works for a company internally um, as a recruiter and he was, and he's been kind of looking around and for a new opportunity and he was given these um, deep sourcing kind of Boolean hacking um, tests yeah. uh, before he was able to join as, as part of the recruiting process. Mm -hmm. That's something that you've seen or what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's ludicrous. <laughs> um, I, I've only seen it on a couple of occasions. I should, I should back myself up. I'm going to insult some people. It's not ludicrous. It's just ludicrous for me. Um, <laughs> but I think I've only seen it myself a couple times. And one case in particular, this has been several years now. Uh, one case in particular, the manager was pushing me for, you know, write a Boolean string. Like, and I think it was like, HR for HR kind of role, you know, so I was like, go find, you know, HR managers in Kalamazoo or something. And I was like, what, like, you know, big as you are, like, there's no ATS. We don't already have a, like, we can't fish our own pond first. Like, isn't there a different way to do this instead of just throwing out stuff on the internet? And he's like, no, no, this is important. You really need to do this. So I'm like, okay, great. You want Bing results or Google results? And I got this blank stare. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, they're different. He's like, what? <laughs> Like you're going to test me and you don't even know. I, I just like, even I know that and I don't know anything about bullying and all that stuff. So I don't know. I think it's silly. And I think there are definitely going to be places for that. And I think a really robust research uh, sourcing team or, or there are certain people in the industry that are great at this and able to go really deep. But if I'm a full cycle recruiter or I'm a recruiter with sourcing responsibility or whatever, I am way more interested in, do you know how to effectively fish in your own pond? So especially if you have a big ATS, do you know how to partner with your teams to drive referrals? Cause 40% are hired through referrals in most cases. Yeah. Um, and do you know where to go find all this stuff that people who've come before you have already created? I spend a ton of time on different blog posts and websites, or I'll, I'll call my buddy Steve Levy and be like, help me search some patent stuff, you know, or whatever the case may be. Like, I know the people that know the answers and trust me, you don't want to pay me to spend time learning that stuff. It's not my strong suit. And, uh, you know, it's not, it's not my superpower. And I honestly think, especially now, especially it, it, where we are in the last couple of years, people 
are easy to find. There is no lack of information, contact information, all that good stuff. They're hard to engage. Show me a recruiter who sucks at bullying, but is really good at relationships. And I'll take that person any day of the week over someone who can craft like thousand character bullying strings. Which is probably why you have a division. I think you, you mentioned that there is this separation of the structure and recruitment talent acquisition with Google um, and maybe a lot of companies too, but yeah. can you talk a little bit about the, that structure? Yeah, absolutely. So Microsoft was, was the same way. We had actual dedicated sourcers and then we had recruiters. So generally speaking, and this is for both of my previous, my current and previous company, and I think a lot of places operate this way, sourcers are kind of responsible for that upfront candidate generation. Frankly, when you have an ATS as big as ours, fish your own pond really well. Like that's first and foremost, that, that should be where you spend your time. Um, I still do some sourcing myself. Um, I can navigate LinkedIn okay. I you know, obviously can search my own database. Um, but really the idea is that the sourcers are kind of starting that initial conversation. They're getting people excited about the company. And then we start drilling into, okay, now that you're talking to us and you're open to maybe a career change, let's talk about what you want to do and where you want to do it and who you want to do it with. So then we start figuring out, is it maybe YouTube or is it, you know, if I'm going back to Microsoft, artificial intelligence teams or research teams or whatever. Um, so drilling into that, at that point, it would then come to me because now we've engaged you, we have a role in mind, we want to interview. So I kind of pick it up from there and take them to the finish line. Um, but there's always going to be the few that like for hard to fill roles or just for whatever reason, you know, I'll still do my own sourcing. I, I just, I don't see the, so far, the need to do any of these crazy, you know, Boolean gymnastics. <laughs> So you do the, you manage the relationship with the hiring manager, yeah. you do the intake meeting, mm -hmm. and then you pass along the description of, to the sourcer, who then takes yeah. it from there. Yeah, so I have always had a dedicated sourcing partner. So that person would normally go to intakes with me, you know, we kind of operate as a, like a joint super recruiter, if you will. Between oh, the two that's even better. Yeah, it's actually great. And my, my sourcing partner with YouTube, again, it's only been a few months, but she's like my favorite person. I love her to death. Um, but yeah, so we try to kind of function as this, this, this single kind of super entity for recruiting, um, meet with the clients, you know, do intakes, all that kind of stuff. I more or less own the relationship, but at the same time, and this is, this is important, sourcers and recruiters are separate but equal. There are some places, some companies, even some people in both functions that look at sourcers as junior recruiters and then the recruiters are the grown-ups in the room. And that could not be further from the truth. I mean, the sourcers are as important, as critical, as smart, as, you know, talented or, or should be, you know, as, as any recruiter and vice versa. Like they are genuinely equal professions equal. I mean, it, we should be on the same footing. It, it should never be a supporting like, Oh, this person works for me. No, they work with me. We're a partner and we do this together and we're both important and we should both be senior enough and all that good stuff. So that, that's just another kind of weird distinction that I run into all the time. And I'm always surprised to hear people say as a sourcer, well, someday I want to be a recruiter. Like why? I mean, maybe you don't like what you're doing, but don't think it's because it's a step up. <laughs> it's not. I, I do feel though there has been this growth and, and I, I, I feel like maybe it's not that it's totally new, but maybe it's evolved even in a more robust way where there is a division where there's no longer really that. Well, there is in some that full cycle, full desk recruiter where you're doing just everything from the intakes to the sourcing, to the hiring and the interview or to the interviewing. Yeah. Um, and now you have this sourcer, this dedicated sourcer. So, and, and it's, and it's growing and that field is, is very robust now. So I, I know there must be some challenges. So what are sure. some of the challenges and maybe if you have any recommendations on how to work in that relationship? Gosh, you know, so much in life, not even just recruiting, but in life goes off the rails because of a lack of communication. Um, any awkwardness in a relationship, personal or otherwise, any uh, business partnership that seems to not be going well, it's because we're probably not speaking to each other. 
So I know for, for me, I mean, I do have my one dedicated sourcer that I work with very closely, but I'm getting pipeline from 10 different people. Yeah, I mean, it's a big sourcing team and, and they're all running into people who like YouTube or want to consider it or whatever. So I'm navigating, in addition to kind of my main relationship, I'm navigating all these other relationships too. Oh. And even though we all have the same goal, like let's get an offer accept, let's get a hire, we sometimes miss the nuances that each other is experiencing. So, so if I'm a sourcer and I've got, 30 candidates out there in the recruiting world and two of them are with Amy and three are with Bob and four are with Sally or, or whatever. Like I'm chasing a lot of things. And the more I have to ping Amy for updates or Amy's not putting good notes in, or I don't know what Amy's doing with my two candidates that creates stress and stress creates frustration and frustration creates bad feelings. And before you know it, the source doesn't like you and you're getting bad feedback. <laughs> or whatever, right? Um, and then conversely, on the recruiting side, it's gotta be the right pipeline, right? So, so recruiters can sometimes be very quick to say, oh, well, that person's sending me crappy people. Okay, so did you explain that? Did you have that conversation and say, hey, thanks for this amazing pool of people. Here's the reasons they're not right. I, I mean, if we're not communicating and we're not able to really tell a story, it's going to just create hard feelings. So I, I try to, to, and this is just always an area of opportunity for me anyway, I'll be the first to admit it. I'm trying to get really good at documentation. And I, I've taught my high school daughter this. Information and documentation is power. Like you got to know what you're talking about. You got to have that shit written down somewhere. And that is your power. That is your source of truth. And that is your strength. So, um, you know, it doesn't have to be adversarial. It can just be as simple as, you know, I just want to make sure you know what's going on. I want to keep you informed. I want to help you be better. And that that's going both ways, right? As a sourcer, Hey, Amy, let me help you do a better job. Here's some things that we need to see from you. Or as a recruiter, Hey, let me help you do a better job. Here's some key nuances to the position that aren't talked about in the job description, things like that. So we should just be talking and we should never, ever, ever be afraid to go to someone directly and pick up the phone and say, Hey, got a minute. Here's what I want to talk about. That's so good. That is so good. Thank you so much, Amy. I think this has been so educational from learning about your career path to how you work with how you got to Google, your recruitment and sourcing partnering. Um, we really appreciate you being on the Tech Recruit podcast. I wanted to ask you lastly, um, if somebody was interested in working at Google or they wanted to get hold of you, how would they do that? Yes. So ammiller at google.com is my email. It's the only one I check these days because it's so busy. <laughs> um, so happy to connect on LinkedIn with anybody. I don't care. I'm not picky about that stuff. Um, always happy to, to talk with industry folks. And then of course, check out my blog, recruitinginyogapants.com. Um, you can message me through that as well. But, uh, and then my phone number is pretty available. So, you know, any of you deep sourcing geniuses, if you can find my phone number, text me. I don't answer calls. The new YouTube office and Google offices in Silicon Beach um, in Los Angeles are right next to LAX Tech Recruit Conference where you will be speaking. Are you going to be working out of the office that week? I think I will. I, I was thinking I need to take a trip so this coincides quite nicely and then I'm thinking I might bring uh, Mr. Miller along for a little vacation too. So it'll be a good time. <laughs> it is a huge office it's a hangar and it's just looks like it's a whole block and then youtube's across the street from it i mean it's wow. awesome i can't wait to see it i've heard it's amazing and i i'm so excited to to get with my partners in person down there and of course meet you guys i know it'll be so much fun well you have a fantastic afternoon thank you so much amy miller thank you bye stacy